Good morning and welcome to our morning service at Beckles Baptist Church. My name is Peter Skerritt and I serve here as the assistant pastor. It's great that you found us online uh, at YouTube. Uh, we've been so blessed in the past few weeks to have such technology uh, so that whilst we can't meet in person, we are able to at least connect with one another. And again, as I said before, we're really glad that you found us, whether you're a regular or just tuning in for the first time. Uh, one of the other things we've enjoyed during uh, the weeks uh, that we've learned our te technological skills have grown and improved, um, as home groups, we've been meeting in, on Zoom during the week. I don't know if you've heard of that before, uh, but I'm going to hand over to one home group just to say hello and to show you a little bit more about what we do during the week in our home groups. Hi from home group, everybody. Great to be on Zoom. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Hello. Good morning. Good morning. Hello, everybody. Hello, everybody. Hello, we're missing you all and hope to see you soon. Hi from me. Hello from the Fairborn Call Centre. Nice to see you. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Missing you lots. Hope to be back again soon. Hello, everyone. Hello. Like everybody else, we hope to see you all again soon. Morning church family, hope to see you soon. Morning church family, up the city, hope to see you soon. Lots of love. <laughs> Morning everyone, hope you're okay. Missing you all, hope to see you soon. Morning from our whole home group. Morning. <laughs> bye. 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 Well, I don't know about you during lockdown, whether you've lost track of your calendar or not, um, but some of you will be aware at least that today is Father's Day. Uh, and we're going to just read some words from Scripture describing uh, God as a father from Psalm 103. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. We're going to pray a little bit later in our service for fathers and those who find this day particularly hard. Uh, but let me pray now for our time together. We thank you, Father, for this time to gather as your people, to hear from your word. Thank you that you instruct us as your children, you discipline us and guide us and uh, lead us. And we pray that you'll be doing that today as we hear your word, as we uh, learn from what happened to your people, as we learn of your character, as we sing uh, your praises. And please lead us and direct us and help us to live as children of our Heavenly Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now we're going to turn now uh, straight away to our reading, which Hope is going to give for us. And I just want to introduce it to you, because it's perhaps not the kind of reading you'd expect for an all-age uh, family service. So adults, please don't be uh, worried um, if you look at the passage and think, yikes, what are my children going to be learning? Uh, it would be fair to say that our reading picks up in a very sorry stage of Israel's history. In fact, so sorry and serious, that it, some of it wouldn't make particularly good reading for an all-age service. Uh, after all, God has done to, to deliver and to direct and to defend his people. At this point in the narrative, well, God's people have simply defied him and disobeyed him in some of the most degrading ways possible. And we're going to pick up our reading in Numbers chapter 25, uh, starting in verse 6, where we see one particular example of sin uh, but really, uh, as an example of, the, of a nation 
riddled with that sin. A nation full of sin and actually facing a plague from God because of that sin. Then an Israelite man brought into the camp of Midianite women right before the eyes of Moses and the whole assembly of Israel while they were weeping at the entrance of the tent of meeting. When Phileas, the son of Eliezer, the son of Aaron, the priest, saw this, he left the assembly, took his spear in his hand and followed the Israelite into the tent. He drew the spear the spear into both of them, right right through the Israelite man and into the woman and into the woman's stomach. Then the plague against the Israelites was stopped. But those who died in the plague, number twenty four thousand, the Lord said to Moses, Phileas the son of Eliezer, the son of Aaron, priest, had turned my anger away from Israel, free from the Israelites, since he he was as zealous for my honor, for my honor among them, as I am. I did not put an end to them in my zeal. Therefore, I tell him. Therefore, I tell him I am making my covenant of peace with him, and and he and his descendants will have a covenant of lasting priesthood because. He was zealous for the honour of his good, of his God, and made a tournament for the Israelites. Thanks, Hope. Uh, well done for that. Um, let's pray so we think about this a bit more. Father, we uh, know that it's a, a striking, strange narrative, and yet it, it is written for us, recorded for us as you speak to us. We pray that uh, we would learn lots of your character and lots of our character, and you might shape us to live lives that glorify you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Angry. I wonder when the last time was that you felt angry. Uh, boys, girls, adults. I wonder whether during lockdown you felt angry. I wonder what else makes you angry. And the question is, is it ever right to be angry? What do you reckon? Is it ever right to be angry? Well, God's answer to that question is, yes, it is right sometimes to be angry. There are, there are some things, sometimes, in some places that, that should make us angry. Really, rightly angry. Now, we're not talking grumpy, just to clarify so as a family, we love the Mr. Men books, and this is a particular family favourite, Mr. Grumpy. Now, Mr. Grumpy is really Mr. Angry. He's rude, he snaps at anybody, he shouts at people, he demands things. He's angry, but he's not rightly angry, is he? Because Mr. Grumpy is just concerned with himself. He just wants what he wants and doesn't care what other people think. Now, we're not talking grumpy. We're talking angry, really rightly angry. And in the story, uh, the narrative that Hope just read for us, we meet a man called Phineas, 
who is a man really rightly angry. Let's remind ourselves of the narrative. Now, Israel, God's people were in big trouble. You see, they knew the one true God and he'd rescued them and looked after them and protected them. But for some reason, they decided that they wanted to follow other gods, false gods, fake gods, rubbish gods. And God was really, rightly angry. And as a result, firstly, God sent a plague. Thousands of people amongst the Israelites were dying of illness and sickness as a punishment. God sent a plague. But secondly, he said not only that, but round up the ringleaders and punish them. The people who've led my people astray, get rid of them, kill them. And so the people at this time, they were sat around their tents. They were weeping and wailing and well aware that they had done something so wrong. Except one person, one man called Zimri, who openly, arrogantly brought a Midianite woman, a woman from another country, another nation, into the camp, and then into his tent. Well, you might think, well, what's the big deal about that? Well, it was what God had said not to do. God had said, when you go into the land, you must be separate from the people of the other nations. Because if you follow them, well, they will make you follow their gods and not me. You must be separate. And that's where Israel had gone wrong, because they weren't separate They'd said, oh, well, you can be our friend. In fact, to some of them, they said, you can be our best friend, our closest friend. And that is exactly what Zimri does when he brings this lady into the camp and into the tent. God said not to, but he said, they can be my closest friend. Well, Phineas was there in the crowd of the Israelites, and he saw this, and he was really rightly angry. And so he followed them. He picked up a spear in his hand. He walked up to their tent and he threw the spear into the tent and into them and he killed them. Whoa! That was a pretty shocking story, right? For, for one thing, Phineas' violence is he, is he picks up this spear And he plunges it into these people. You're thinking, what? Is that in the Bible? That's the violence. But perhaps even more surprising, I think, is God's verdict. See, God gives him the big thumbs up. Just look down at the Bible, verse number 13 of the chapter, the little number 13, if you've not looked at the Bible before. What does God say of what Phinehas did? God says, he, Phinehas, and his descendants will have a covenant of a lasting priesthood because he was zealous for the honour of his God and made atonement for the Israelites. That's basically God saying that's a big thumbs up to Phinehas. He's going to be rewarded because he did the right thing. Now, if God is giving Phinehas the thumbs up, that means you and I need to listen up because there's something that we need to learn from Phinehas. And up front, do you know what? I'm just going to say very clearly, The one thing we're not to learn is that it's okay to take things into your own hands and physically hurt other people. Just to flag that up, the New Testament is full of reasons why we shouldn't do that. And one of the reasons is simply that punishment 
and justice, while they're in the hands of God and in the governing rulers and leaders he has appointed, and not in my hands and not in your hands. So we're not to learn that, oh, well, I just pick up my spear and punish people when I see them sinning. But we are to be angry about their sin. And that is the first thing we need to learn from Phineas. We should be angry about sin. That's it. We should be angry about sin. Now remember the scene. Phineas is sat in the camp and in walks Zimri, bold as brass. And Phineas gets really, rightly angry. Why? Well, firstly, it's what Zimri's doing, isn't it? Remember, God said, no, be separate. And Phineas goes, I don't care. I'll be as close as I like, thanks very much. It's what he's doing is the problem. And the way he's doing it too. He's open, arrogant, public. He just parades in front of the crowd, in front of everyone. It's like in front of everyone, he's saying, I'm not scared of you. I'm not scared of God. I'm not scared of anybody. You can't stop me. It's what we call sin, isn't it? S-I-N. Shove off God. I'm in charge. No to your rule. That's exactly what Zimri's doing. He's saying, God, you mean this much to me. That's not a lot. This much. And that gets Phineas really, rightly angry. Not just because of what sin does to him or to other people, but because of what sin does to God. What it says about God, or more precisely, what it takes from God. Honour. Look at verse 13 again. Just that number, little number 13. Phineas is zealous for the honour of God. Now that's another big word. We're going to have a couple of big words today. Zealous. What on earth does it mean? Well, Phineas is zealous in that he thinks so much of God that he can't stand it when someone thinks so little of him. Because he longs for everybody to think as much of God as he does. For example, if you're always talking about your favourite football team and you never shut up about them and you want everyone to know how good they are and that they won at the weekend, you're zealous for your football team because you think so much of them and you want everyone else to know that. But if someone comes along and says, you support Ipswich, they're rubbish. Well, you'd be angry, you'd be insulted because they're saying, you know that you think quite a lot of Ipswich? Well, I don't think very much of them. You're zealous for the honour of Ipswich. Or, for example, you're, you're talking about your family, your mum, your dad, your sisters and your brothers. And you just say, I love spending time with them. Do you know what we did at the weekend? It was great. And then someone turns around and says, well, I don't like them very much. Or this, that sounds a bit boring. Well, you're zealous for the honour of your family because you love them and you think so much of them and you want everyone else to know. And so when someone offends your family, is rude about your family, well, you get angry. As if you're zealous for something, it makes you angry about other things. And Phineas, why does he pick up his spear? It's because he is zealous for the honour of God. He wants God to be known and loved. And so he's really angry it's sin, which says, God's not good. God's not worth anything. I think this much of God. And that makes Phineas angry. So much so, he wants to stamp it out. 
He wants to, to spear it out. If we're zealous for God, we will be angry at sin. Now, I wonder if at this point some of you are thinking, well, all this talk of, of anger, it, it doesn't sound very Christian if I'm honest. But did you know? Jesus got angry, really rightly angry. Take, for example, uh, the Gospel of John, chapter 2. Jesus turns up at the temple. That is the house of God. It's meant to be a place of, of full of prayer and worship and praise and love to God. But he finds it full of money-making, money-loving, money-grabbing people. And so he drives them out with a whip. He scatters their coins everywhere. He turns the tables over and he throws them out. He's zealous for the honor of God. He wants everyone to know his father is worth praise. And he's offended because they think so much of money and so little of God. And he's really rightly angry. And we should be really rightly angry too at sin. You see, when we see anything like this, when we see racism or sexism, or abortion, or anything that just says some lives don't matter as much as others. Well, we should be angry at sin. We should want to spear it out, spear it through. Well, when we see uh, uh, abuse or, or bullying, whether in the church, the world, the school, in your own lives, in your home, well, it's right to be angry at that because it's not right. And we should want to stamp it out and spear it through. And again, if we see even in our own lives, grumbling or gossiping or complaining or unkindness, we should want to stamp it out and spear it through because we should be angry at sin because it dishonors God. But there's a problem. Because whilst Phineas is angry in our story, there is one other person, one other character who is angry at sin too. And it's God himself. And so the second thing, the final thing we need to learn from this story is that we need to atone for our sin. We need to atone for our sin. Now, I imagine, boys and girls, don't worry, I think some of the adults will be wondering what on earth that means too. What does it mean to atone for sin? Well, put simply, this is what it is. Ready? To atone for sin means to pay the price for sin, to turn away God's anger at sin. Can you do that with me? Ready? To pay the price for sin, to turn away God's anger at sin. Well, I want you to imagine that you've gone shopping uh, with your parents or your carers to somewhere, one of those boring shops with, with teapots and china cups and glass things that look very precious and very expensive. And there is a big sign in the shop saying, don't run, no running. And you think, but I want to run. And you run around the shop, you run around the corner and... broken something. Well, you're going to need to atone for your sin. See, the shopkeeper's angry and a price needs to be paid. So you're going to need to pay the price to turn away the shopkeeper's anger. You need to atone for your sin. Now, it was true at this time that Israel themselves needed to atone for their sin. Remember, to pay the price for their sin, to turn away God's anger. Israel needed to do that. If you were just to read the first few verses of this chapter, you would see what a sorry story their lives had been. A story of sin, 
That was awful. But it's actually true for all time. See, it's not just the Israelites, but us who need to atone for our sin. See, if, if a shopkeeper is right to demand a payment because you broke something, well, how much more is God right to demand payment when we break his laws, his perfect rules? And if a shopkeeper is right to be angry because you just completely ignored what they'd said, well, how much more is God right to be angry at defiance and disobedience? We need to atone for our sins. That's the bad news. We need to atone for sin. And we, well, I mean, we may not think that's true. We might not want that to be true. But God says in this story, it is true. We need to atone for sin. That's the bad news. We need to atone for sin. But the good news of Christianity is that we don't need to atone for our sin. So think about the the story of Israel that we just had. The good news for the Israelites and their sin is a man who comes along, Phineas, and he picks up a spear and he plunges it in the sinner. He pays the price. He turns away God's anger And the plague is lifted. Just look at that in the story again. Verse 8. Phinehas follows the Israelite into the tent. He drove the spear into both of them right through the Israelite man and into the woman's stomach. Then the plague against the Israelites was stopped. Like that. The moment the sinner is punished, atonement is made. Well, the good news for us is a man who comes along. Jesus, truly God, truly man, like Phineas, but so much better. You see, Phineas picks up a spear in his hand. Jesus picks up a cross on his back. And Phineas, Phineas, he punishes the sinner Jesus takes the place of a sinner. And just like Phineas, well, Jesus gets the big thumbs up, doesn't he? Three days later, as Jesus rises from the grave, what is God saying? He's got a thumbs up. He's saying that the price has been paid, that his anger has been turned away, and that atonement for sin has been made. That is the good news of Christianity. One greater than Phineas comes along. It doesn't just take the life of a sinner, but takes the place of a sinner, like you and me. And so the simple impact of this is that we need to pay for our sin, we need to atone for it, but we don't need to. Now perhaps you thought actually that you could pay for your sin. You know, if one day you turn up on the judgment day and you're like, God, well, I know I've done some bad deeds, but... Um, I've, I've got some good deeds too. Um, would that be enough? And of course, we'll be scratching around to see what we've got to pay off the bad. But the truth is, we're never going to be able to pay off the bad with the good because we can never love enough, pray enough, be kind enough, uh, just repent enough, be sorry enough. We could never atone enough. We can't pay by ourselves because no matter how hard you try, the good is always going to be outweighed by the bad. And it doesn't get rid of what you've done anyway. 
We, we can't pay by ourselves. We must have Jesus to atone. But for many of us, we will have trusted Jesus already. And this is just such a reminder to you that you don't need to pay. You don't need to atone because Jesus has given it all. He gave his life. He paid the price. He turned away God's wrath. And your sin has been covered and atoned for. So is it right ever to be angry? That's the question we started with. Was Phineas right to be angry? Yes. Angry at sin, and so should we be. But we also saw that God was angry, really, rightly angry, and mercifully enough to atone for that sin too. We're going to pray and just praise our God for atoning for sin. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you so much for how the scriptures make us wise for salvation in Jesus. Thank you for showing us the, the horror of sin. And we pray that we might follow Phineas in despising it and detesting it and wanting rid of it in our world and in our lives and in our church. But above all, Father, we pray that we might seek the one greater than Phineas, the one who can atone for our sin, end the plague, end the curse, take the punishment. We thank you that you have provided for us and removed your wrath from us. We thank you for Jesus. Amen. Now there's one person who's been listening. I hope you've been listening. But Ben has also been listening. And we're going to hand over to Ben now. He's got some questions for you to see how well you've been listening. Wowza! What a surprising story! Whoever said the Bible was boring? But there were some big words there, weren't there? So let's see if you can remember what they mean. Question one. What does it mean to be zealous for God? A. To pretend to be like a lazy zebra for God. Or B. To think God is the best and want everyone to know that too. That's right. It's B. Being zealous for God means thinking he's the best and wanting everyone to treat him as the best too. If God is so, so, so good, that makes any sin so, so, so bad. So sin should make us so, so, so angry. Question two. What does it mean to make atonement for sin? Is it A, to pay the price to turn away God's anger? Or B, to make a piece of toast for God. <laughs> That's right, it's A. To atone for sin means to pay the price to turn away God's anger. And the best bit is, I don't need to pay it. Jesus can pay it for me. Thank you, Jesus. Wow, that's such good news. I feel like singing. What about you? Shall we sing two songs together now, thanking Jesus for dying for our sins? See you again soon. Bye!
when you die. All our sin was paid for. Now we're free to live the life that we were made for. One with God above, living as His children. We trust in His word. See the all night. 
judgment throne Rock of ages Clap for me Let me hide myself in thee As rock of ages Clap for me Let me hide myself Uh, we're going to turn now to a brief time of, of extended prayer where we uh, pray for fathers. Uh, we pray for those um, who have not had good experiences of fatherhood. And then we're going to pray for JAM, our, our children's and youth group work. So let's pray. Father, we praise you just once again that uh, you are described as a father, that though you made the stars, you know the hairs on our heads, you know that we are... Um, made, of, made from the dust, you know what we're like. You know how weak and feeble and frail we often feel. And you understand and care for us and provide for us. We thank you that that has been revealed in the gospel as you sent your son uh, in love to rescue us. Thank you that you have sent your spirit to dwell with us, to bring you into our hearts. So we thank you just for your fatherly care to us. We thank you for the chance to remember uh, today on Father's Day uh, the many fathers around the world who, who are in many ways a small picture of your care for us. Fathers who love their children, who protect them and provide for them and lead them and teach them and just care for them with compassion. So we thank you for many examples of that. And yet we are, of course, well aware that in, in this world, marred and broken by sin, that there are many uh, who have not experienced that. We feel the pain of uh, those who have lost their fathers through death. That we feel the pain of those who uh, have been hurt by their fathers or abandoned. We, uh, we understand that, Father, that some have longed to be fathers and, and yet aren't able to be. And all of those are signs and scars on a, on a life in this fallen world. And yet we thank you that despite those pains... We still have the privilege and the opportunity to know a father who is good, uh, the father who has compassion and is gentle and kind. I pray that you might bring to mind, particularly for those who are grieving and finding today hard, that you might bring real comfort to them. By your spirit, would you reveal your fatherly care to them. We pray for fathers, uh, particularly in our church as well, uh, that you might equip them to do just this, to to care and have compassion for your children, but also uh, to, uh, to instruct and lead their children, not to exasperate them unnecessarily, but to bring them up in the discipline of the Lord, help them to use this time even in lockdown and uh, time away from school. And we pray as well, Father, for those children that we've had contact with in JAM, our weekly children's and youth group work, Thank you so much for every contact we've had with children in the local community. Thank you for each one of them. Thank you that you know them and you care for them and you've brought them into our remit and care as a church. And uh, we are saddened that we're not able to be with them and to meet them and to have fun and activities on a Wednesday with them. We pray that you'd keep them safe, whether they're back at school or still at home. We pray uh, particularly that we might maintain contact with them. We ask that uh, those videos that we're putting out each week on Facebook and social media uh, would be of great uh, help for them um, in keeping contact, showing that we care for them, 
but also showing us something of the Jesus that we long for them to know. And we pray that even by the end of this time, when we're able to meet again uh, with these children, that some of them would have come to faith in Jesus themselves, uh, knowing how great he is as they look through uh, the Gospels and the accounts of his life. And we ask uh, all these things knowing that you are a good father, you know what our needs are even before we know them, and will provide for what we need to help us to trust you this week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, if you want to carry on singing uh, after our service comes to a close, uh, do please check out our YouTube uh, playlist, which we've put up with a number of songs just to help you reflect again on the themes we've been looking at. And with the children as well, maybe you want to do it after the service or this afternoon. Uh, we've produced a worksheet just to help them think through this story a little bit more. Um, that will have been emailed around to you. A couple of things coming up this week. Firstly, on Wednesday evening, we want to draw your attention again to Story, which is our kind of taster session on, on the Christian faith, seeing how Jesus's stories connect his story and, and our story. Uh, we had one session on Wednesday and we had a great time together. Uh, we've got one more coming up this Wednesday. Do join along, uh, come along. It's not too late and deliberately designed so that you can dip in and out of sessions uh, as you please. Um, that's uh, more details on the website um, and you can email me uh, for a Zoom link or for more questions uh, on the link and the email address below. Again, on Thursday, uh, we're meeting in our home groups, uh, Thursday and Friday morning. We're taking a slightly different format uh, for the next few weeks and your home group leaders will be in touch just to let you know what's happening for them. And uh, finally, just to flag up tonight, this evening, well, we're looking forward to having Kev Mannion, a member of our church, preaching to us from 1 John. We've been looking at a series on confident Christianity. That's at 6.30 tonight. And then next week, uh, we'll continue with two services, morning and evening, uh, in 1 John in the evening, and uh, all age, starting a new series in the book of Esther uh, to, on Sunday morning. Uh, let me pray as we finish. Psalm 115 from our church Bible reading plan a couple of days ago uh, reads this. Not to us, Lord... Not to us, but to your name be the glory because of your love and faithfulness. That was surely the cry of Phineas and of Jesus. And may it be our cry this week. Let's pray that that would be the case. Father, we thank you for the chance again just to reflect on your glory. That is uh, your goodness and your greatness and the way that you are so different from us, deserving of all praise. We pray that just this short time together would have uh, expanded our vision of you grown our love for you and we pray uh, that that might bubble out uh, from our speech uh, on our lips and in our lives this week and that we might seek your honor and glory and that we might hate and be angered at anything that takes glory and honor from you we ask that for your glory in your people in your world this week amen